You figured me out. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lyrics for Lunch, the show that it only took us 25 hours on TikTok to get a death threat. (laughs) This is the show where we do deep dives into the most famous songs from music history, maybe some not so famous songs, maybe some artists you know, maybe some artists you don't know. I'm a little sick today. My name's Aviv Rubenstein. I'm your host, one half of the dynamic duo. Joining me, as always, every week, this week, in the driver's seat. Sometimes she likes to say her name, sometimes she doesn't. Say my name, say my name. It's Lindsay Tucker. Hello, Lindsay. Hi, how You're are just you? already, already today with, with you. With me, I know. Yeah. It's a struggle. It is, it is a constant struggle. <laughs> So you're not feeling too good? No, no. I've got like my third cold of the year of the cold. of the summer. Yeah, I I just got done a very uh, stressful couple of years. And so I think I keep just like getting sick over and over again. Your immune system is telling you is, that it's time to slow down. Yeah, time to slow down. But look at my dog. He's right here. He's I slowing down. I see no dogs. Well, you will when the... And with the power of movie magic, you'll see the dog. Yeah. He's just taking a little nap. All right. Well, I wish I was taking a nap. Me too. But instead, we're doing this podcast. Yes, we are. What are we talking talking about today? today? Oh. Oh, Jinx. Jinx. Buy me some Coke. (laughs) Um, Today, we're talking about Sixpence, None the Richer, and their song, Kiss Me. Yeah. I hope that uh, I will learn what a sixpence is. Yes, you will. Oh, good. Because I have, I don't, I don't know. Is it like six <laughs> pennies? Yeah, it's like money. It's like a coin instead of a nickel. It's like a sixpence. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, see you next week, everybody. <laughs> That's our show. Um, yes. We'll we've, be... <laughs> we've heard that the shows need to be shorter. We're also going to be talking a little bit about the song, the movie that made the song. She's all that. Yes. Oh, I didn't realize this was a call and response portion. You of the say show. that every time, but just you know now. Now you okay. know. Okay. So, song facts called "Kiss Me" a dreamy truffle of a pop song. Dreamy truffle of a pop. Okay, sure. I really love cool. that. Cool. Shut up. Um, what do you remember about the song? I remember it being everywhere in like the late 90s, specifically at middle school and high school dances. And it and it, uh, it was heavily featured in the movie She's All That, specifically in the scene where Rachel Lee Cook has been uh, removed of her glasses and messy <laughs> ponytail and is all of a sudden super hot. And comes down the staircase, right? That's and trips because she's dress. still she's still like one of us because she's Jennifer hot, Lawrence. Hot people, they're just like us, exactly. So we're gonna take a listen to the song, which is oh, probably good. gonna show us some movie moments if you're watching this on YouTube, our our YouTube channel. Yeah, this was very very heavily tied in with the movie. Performed by Sixpence on the Richard. It's weird, right? Yeah. Oh, man. The, like, multicolored pixie undercut thing. The hair? Yeah. It's multicolored? Yeah, I think it's darker underneath. Okay. The guy that's watching the the movie on TV looks a little like Shaggy from Scooby Doo. Oh yeah. Which is Matthew only Lillard. yeah only only notable because Freddie Prince Jr. is also in Scooby Doo. And so is Matthew Lillard. Is also that's, in She's All oh, That. Oh, is in She's All That. I didn't mean specifically. 
that he looks like Matthew Lillard, but he looks like the character Shaggy. Norbert Shaggy. I don't remember his last name. Oh, there's the cast. Just chilling there. If he doesn't hacky sack in this video, I'm going to be so mad. I think you're going to be mad. Fuck. Of all the things in that movie that has aged poorly, I think the hacky sack slam poem might be the worst. I don't think the hacky sack slam poem ever was ever okay. Like I was what reading. Do you, what do you mean? Like it was the most awkward part of the whole movie, and I feel like that was maybe the point. Like hack e sack. I was reading an article about she's all that, and it was like Zach slash Jock slash hacky sack enthusiast. Yeah, sure. And that's parodied in uh, Twenty Two Jump Street, where Jonah Hill's like Cynthia. It is. Yeah. Does he have a hacky sack? He does not have a hacky sack. Also, in what universe... I know that this is like kind of the point, but not the point. Like, in what universe is she not hot? I know. It's ridiculous. As if she only exists to turn on men. We must give her a makeover. But, like, she didn't need the makeover. She already turned on all the men. I don't understand. Well, no, because she wore weird clothes and paint on her overalls. Liked art. <laughs> yeah. So, how much do you think Rachel E. Cook and Freddie Prince Jr. got paid to be in this? In this video, video? Yes. I'm gonna guess probably nothing. Because it's promo for the film. I think it's just promo for the film, and this is like one of the reasons that SAG is on strike currently. Is like the they don't really get paid. Actors don't really get paid to promote stuff. So all these junkets and all these red carpets and and tie-ins like this music video, they 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 get like maybe a day like a day rate, like nothing significant, and so. Um, yeah, I'm guessing that it was probably nothing. Okay. Would, what do you think? What think, what you you know the answer? No, I don't. Oh. <laughs> I literally just I I also think that it was probably press for the film. Yeah, dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, "Kiss Me" is the hit single from <laughs> Sixpence None the Richer's third album, which was a shocker to me. Third album that they had three albums before this. Uh, and the album came out in November 22nd, 1997. And the, but the single didn't come out until August of 1998. And then She's All That came out in 1999. So the song was already around for three years. Yeah, I don't, I'm not, I can't think of whether, I'm trying to place whether I heard the song somehow before the movie. And I probably did, like, in the lead up to the movie, but not. Three years. Yeah. Three years. So it was. Is, is it, a was lot. it was in the trailer for sure. Oh right. The in my memory, it was the trailer came out and the song came out. Went nuts. Yeah. And so, by the time I saw the movie, like you, we knew every word of the song. We were singing it in the theater. That makes that. I think that is accurate to my experience as well. Okay. Although I don't know if I saw this in the theater. Hmm. I'm trying to think, especially because like. This movie's for girls. <gasps> and, I'm, and I'm a boy. How dare you? Yeah, right? I mean, that was the, like, that was the, you know, I was going to see stuff like Fear.com in the theater. Because you didn't have a girlfriend. Because I did not have a girlfriend. That's yeah. correct. <laughs> um, I feel like okay. that was implied. You didn't have to say it out loud. <laughs> Music and lyrics were written by Matt Slocum. So he is one half of Sixpence None the Richer, although there are four people in the music video. Okay. Let's do some let's let's crunch some numbers. How many people are in the band? Four. Okay. But t- he's one half of the like writing dynamic duo known as duo, Matt yeah. Slocum and Lee Nash. Sure. And and I we're 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 busted myths already today. <laughs> just assume there were six of them. Ooh, I like right? that one. I just assume that there were six members of Sixpence, none the richer. Okay. Members. Lee Nash, Matt Slocum, Justin Carey, Rob Mitchell. 
And then there's okay. a section of past members, TJ Belling, Dale Baker, Tess Wiley, Joel Bailey, a lot Eight. of people. We're so, so now we're, we're, so we're beyond six. I'm, so, so six is a myth. Six is a myth. There also aren't four non-blondes and four non-blondes. So, like, I think it might just be one of those 90s things. I think so. Um, And especially when I tell you where the name came from. (laughs) Especially when I tell you. (laughs) Um, So Matt and Lee were active in the Christian music scene together. Oh, no. They met when they attended the same church in Texas. Oh, wait, 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 (laughs) wait. They're not from Ireland? No. What the <laughs> fuck, Lindsay? They're from New Braunfels, Texas. But. Which is near Austin. But, but Lindsay, they're Irish. <laughs> is it the sixpence? I, 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 like, in my head. What happened? Why did I think that there were six <laughs> Irish people singing this song? Well, yeah, I mean, p- performing this song. Okay. And she's they're American. T- they're American. Correct. Song facts. A contemporary Christian trio. Now it's a trio from New Braunfels, Texas. I hate this episode. <laughs> um, There's two, three, and four of them. They are both Irish and Texan. And the song came out multiple times. This is nonsense. And their name, Sixpence, came from a passage in the British writer slash literary scholar C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. Cool. Now, I don't know about how deep you've gone on C.S. Lewis, but I... know I... that he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. Me too. That's all I yeah. knew. He is also he, he also is famous for uh, a something called the Trilemma. Tell me about the Trilemma. So when he everyone knows what... He converted? I... <laughs> no. Everyone knows what a dilemma is, right? Mm-hmm. And so C.S. Lewis said that when it comes to Christ, there is a trilemma, which is that Jesus was either Lord, liar, or lunatic. Ooh, when did he say Ooh. this? I don't know. O- a long time ago. I read about this in my like high school philosophy class. I had to write a paper on it where okay. I tried to debunk it. Oh, what? how'd you debunk? I said, well, this is this is like complete completely off track now but i said that that's why people like our show yeah Stop they cutting love our out tangents. all the good stuff okay <laughs> so i i said that it was actually two d- dilemmas on top of each other jesus jesus either was or was not lord and jesus either thought or did not think he was lord and so if he was lord and thought he was lord he's lord if he wasn't lord but thought he was lord he's a lunatic and if he wasn't lord and knew he wasn't lord he's a liar right so you can just put two it was like it was like a logic ontological sort of paper that I had to write. Shout out to Mr. Moore's 12th grade philosophy class where uh I'm getting sorry I asked. Yeah, well, I don't know why Send the tangent. I, I don't know why <laughs> Beep, you, it's you over. forced me to do this. <laughs> forced you. You okay. did. You I was like let's not talk about this and you're like no, we must. People love it. And then you were just like I hate this. <laughs> All right, so I'm like, dee, 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 dee. like C.S. Lewis is the guy that wrote Narnia, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe was my favorite. Correct. So Correct. I Google it, and then I'm seeing all these other books that come up before that in the search, which is The Four Loves, Grief, Observed, all these books about faith. And I think most people know that Narnia is an allegory for Jesus. What? This movie, like, I, I used to watch the cartoon, and... The movie has my favorite single line in any movie ever. The cartoon? No, the movie. The one that came out in, like, 2006. Which is what? So, at one point in the movie, Santa Claus arrives to deliver weapons to the children, because, <laughs> naturally, and he gives the boy a sword, and he's like, with this sword, you will cut down your enemies, or whatever. Whatever, whatever. And then he gives the little girl a whistle, and he's like, if you get in trouble, blow on this, and I will come. Pervy. But also, it's like a rape whistle. Yeah. It, it, the whole situation is like very, very, very <laughs> weird. 
So C.S. Lewis was a weird dude who... No. In my head, he was just like him and Tolkien were hanging out, which they actually were. Yeah, yeah. They they exchanged like a bunch of letters to each other, right? They wrote to each other. And then Tolkien is the person that radicalized Lewis into becoming a Christian. Good job. So Lewis Ooh, another was atheist added to my list of, of hatred for who Tolkien. got evangelized. So according to Princeton University Press, Lewis, quote, famously converted to Christianity in 1931 after, quote, conversing into the night with his friends, Tolkien and Hugh Dyson. So they just talk him, talk his ear off all night until he changes his whole personality. I shit you not. If I'm sitting around with a couple of old friends, writers <laughs> who I respect, and they're like, have you heard of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? We're done. Conversation over. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about God. No. Challenge accepted. <laughs> right. <laughs> this, this whole episode is like a chance to convert me. Surprise. Yeah. You're slow playing for 93 episodes. <laughs> yes. You figured me out. Um, all right. So Mere Christianity, the book that... Right. Gave that the gave title, us six, six friends, friends on the richer, the richer yeah. was a collection of the talks that they had under that twilight. The milky twilight. The milky twilight. What is? I was thinking about this in the. I know that you you want to talk about bearded barley, but what the fuck is milky twilight? That sounds I don't know. disgusting. We're gonna talk about it. It does sound gross. <laughs> um. All right. So here's Lee Nash on David Letterman in 1999. Um. To tell, to tell me about the name of the, the band. Um, it comes from a book by C.S. Lewis in the book. So I was close oh, when I said it was Dickensian. No. So it could have been farther away. <laughs> right. No, yeah, you're, you are close. So it's it's, it's a, li- a literary, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Literary reference. The book is called Mere Christianity. Yeah. And it is in the passage, in what context do we find it? Oh, thanks for asking. I will oh, thanks tell for asking. No, she, this is, she is a crazy Christian lady. Thank you. Thank you for asking me about right, my well, faith. Well, I'm better. You are scared. <laughs> of, of what? Awesome. This is just... All my dreams are being fulfilled. Let me tell a story, though. Um, there's a... <laughs> I do want to hear it. That's okay. very sweet of you to have said that. Okay, well, thank you. All right. Um, a boy asked his father for a six Are you staying in town? <laughs> all right. All right, my uh, guy. No, yes. Yes, we are. Could I, could I drop by the hotel? <laughs> yeah, that's weird, man. Such a creep. What a creep. He's very proud of himself. I'm sorry, I'm being... Yeah, he's always I'm like this, too. needlessly coarse. I'm he just sorry. touched her. All right, so anyway, okay. Uh, a, a little boy asks his father to, uh, if he can give the father, <laughs> if he can get a sixpence, which is a, mm-hmm. a very small amount right. of English currency, um, for the, the boy to go and get a gift for his father. And then the father gladly accepts the gift and he's mm-hmm. really happy with it, but he also realizes that he's not any richer for the transaction mm-hmm. because he gave his son the money in the first place. He bought his own gift. That's right, yeah. pretty much. Mm-hmm. Are you um, talk about I'm taxes sure again? Him, but he realizes he's no richer. Yeah. C.S. Lewis was comparing that to his belief that God. God has given him and us the gifts that we possess and to serve him the way we should. We should do it humbly, uh, with humble hearts, realizing how we got the gifts in the first place. Well, that's okay, beautiful. Yeah. That's very nice. Like Everybody's got a humble heart. <laughs> humble heart. Thoughts? All right. Um, you know, I feel uncomfortable... All right, let me just say it. I am not a Christian. I wasn't raised a Christian. And the the like ubiquity of just like regular old on front street Christianity, even though it does not, uh, it is not like, like malicious, is very alienating to a person like me. Even like I, like, I don't really give a shit about like the Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays thing. But What's a person fact, like you? Like an atheist or someone raised Jewish? Someone someone who just will, is not Christian. Someone who is not raised Christian and, to, and, and the entire Christian culture and religion feels very alien to, okay. to someone like me. Um, and so the fact that this is part of the like by default Christianity of American culture which a lot of people in the United States want to make like even more blatant 
um kind of kind of skeeves me out turns me off there's like i i i kind of wonder if there are any analogs with literally any other religion judaism or um or or islam or hindu or buddhism or or whatever zoroastrianism that like you just like casually have a conversation about um about like this famous christian thinker this famous religious thinker on like a late night pop show late night Mm. pop culture show and um there was one recently where um max greenfield the guy who played schmidt on new girl Mm -hmm. um like blew a shofar on like a late night show and he was like this is the thing that my dad is gonna i've i've been in movies and tv for a decade this is the thing that my dad's gonna be the proudest of me for so i i am a shofar blower Insert joke here. A shofar is a ritual. It's a ram's horn. It's a ritual instrument. Oh my God! Please do it. If there's, if there's. I was gonna bring it. I was gonna bring it, but I didn't. And I. Oh my God! It could have been the. We could have done a whole. We could have done a whole service. Okay, so next time. uh, Anyways, that's it. What's the next one? Do it. Tiki Agudol. Is it Tiki Ashivarins? Shivarins. Oh my God. Is it, is it Tiki Ashura no, or no, just, just Trua? <laughs> but then you got to do the last Here one, Tiki, Tiki Agudala. And then it's as long as you can go. It's as long as you can go, James. And everybody in the audience, and they're like, how long are they going to go? And you never know. It's the most exciting part of the Jewish culture. <laughs> this will be my dad's favorite book that I've ever done. <laughs> on a show and he said it as like a funny joke but this is like a real thing right like like people that aren't christian are meant to just kind of uh be quiet and go with the flow and i did that a lot as a kid and uh and christians can just like talk about their faith whenever they want and it's totally fine right and so it's like it kind of turns me off a little bit but this is like 37 years of baggage this isn't just this one quote this is like 37 years of baggage for me but yeah that's how it kind of how i feel about christian there isn't there isn't a muslim rock music category on spotify right and we've our culture has villainized like every other religion or i I don't want to say our culture but like american culture kind of yeah 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 even um, though I'm not fully accepted into it, it is still my culture, which is like that is that is a thing that it, like I wrestle with. That's the exact thing I wrestle with. Um, yeah, villainizes anything other than default white straight Christianity. Stupid. And and she goes on there and she she, she doesn't feel like she has to defend it. Defend her Christianity. Yeah. Why would she? But other people, like you're saying, if they went on a night show and started talking about their faith, they might, they would probably feel that they did. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I think not, uh, I don't think that she is wrong for saying the things that she's saying. I think that everyone should be afforded the opportunity to say similar things about their faith if that informs the, their, the art that they make. And they're not. Like people in this country are definitely not afforded that same privilege as she had just then. Um, here's Lee Nash's quote about the writing of the song. Matt wrote that song overseas. At the time, he was reading some Dylan Thomas poetry, and I think he just started writing the song, and the words were a little different. The song was a little bit darker, but it was basically the same song, and we performed it the very night he wrote it. So okay. I wish I knew what we the original version was, because I was looking into some Dylan Thomas thomas poetry and it was all dark it was like these are the love poems of dylan thomas and everyone was like Death. rage against the dying of the light yeah yes uh he is the one that said do not go gentle into that good night rage rage against the dying of the light as discussed in the 1994 film my girl 2 and wait we're going my girl 2 and not dangerous minds nope did you know that dylan thomas was like bob dylan or it is read repeatedly in one of your all-time favorite movies, Interstellar. Correct. <laughs> um, but I brought the My Girl for you. Oh, good. Thank you. He can't see without his glasses. That's the first one. That's My Girl 1. Yeah. This is the one where she, like, maybe tries to fuck her cousin? 
Yeah. But I know a lot about really, my girl. Not really his cousin. Her step cousin. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage. Rage against the dying of the light. Nixon. What do you think Dylan Thomas is saying here? Rage against the dying of the light. He's mad because they shut off his electricity. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was referring to life energy, Mr. Phillips, which in your case wouldn't cause much of a power shortage, now would it? <laughs> Get fucked, kid. Beta. The poem is really about attitude. It's about not giving up. I mean, it's easy to be overwhelmed sometimes, but that's when we should force ourselves to push on. Alfred Biedermeyer said to heed the urgent inner voice, embracing destiny, not choice. I don't what? think that was a real poem. good, Veda. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Also, like, how old, how old do we think she is? How old is she supposed to be in this movie? Uh, she was like 11 in the first one, and this was maybe like two years later. So she's in like seventh grade. Do you do shit like this in seventh grade? No. No. Quoting Alfred Biedermeyer. Alfred Biedermeyer, who she stalks in LA, and then Even... he's like, don't be a writer, be a TV repairman. Oh sure, that <laughs> feels accurate. Um, but but like even even the class, like did you did you do oh, fucking read Dylan, Dylan Thomas, Thomas in seventh grade? No, we read Lord of the Flies. Oh, I read Lord of the Flies in that same uh, senior year philosophy class. Senior year. I know. Dummy. I'm stupid. <laughs> um. Okay, this is from the Poetry Foundation. I'm going to give you a little history lesson about. Dylan Thomas, since About you didn't Alfred get Biedermeyer. it in seventh grade. <laughs> Born in Swansea, Wales, Dylan Thomas is famous for his acutely lyrical and emotional poetry, as well as his turbulent personal life. Maybe that's why all his love letters were about death. The originality of his work makes categorization difficult. In his life, he avoided becoming involved with literary groups or movements, and unlike other prominent writers of the 1930s, he had little use for socialistic ideas in his art. Thomas can be seen as an extension to the 20th century of the general movement called Romanticism, particularly in its emphasis on imagination, emotion, intuition, spontaneity, and organic form. Considered to be one of the greatest Welsh poets of all time, Thomas is largely known for his imaginative use of language and vivid imagery in his poems. Like Bearded Barley. Like Bearded Barley and Milky Twilight. He began writing poetry as a child and was publishing his by his teens. His notebooks from 1930 and 1934, when he was 16 to 20 years old, revealed the young poet's struggle for a number of personal crises. In his 1965 Dylan Thomas, Jacob Korg described them as related to love affairs, to industrial civilization, and to the youthful problems of finding one's identity. Revised versions of some of the notebooks poems became in 1934 his first published volume of poetry 18 poems like james joyce before him dylan thomas was obsessed with words with their sound and rhythm and especially with their possibilities for multiple meanings the richness of meaning and often illogical and revolutionary syntax and catalogs of cosmic and sexual imagery render thomas's early poetry original and difficult in a letter to richard church thomas commented on what he considered some of his own excesses quote immature violence rhythmic monotony frequent muddle-headedness and a very much overweighted imagery that leads often to incoherence real lies real lies real lies do you realize <laughs> i don't know i mean like i'm not like a super i don't know poetry very well i took like one class in in grad school but like we have a guy who started publishing poems at at the in, in his teenage years and he's writing about like being bummed out and death and romanticism and like sexual double entendres. I'm like, it doesn't sound that unique. No, I agree. I'm sure it's, I'm sure he's great. I have not read any of his, his poetry. I'm sure it's great. Well, we're going to read one. Oh shit. Dylan Thomas in October. My 13th year to heaven woke to my hearing from Harbor and neighbor wood. Would like W O O D. 
And the muscle pooled and the heron priested shore. The morning beckoned with water praying and call of seagull and rook. And the knock of sailboats on the net webbed wall. Myself to set foot that second in the still sleeping town and set forth. My birthday began with the water, birds and the birds of the winged trees flying my name, above the farms and the white horses, and I rose in, radi- in rainy autumn and walked abroad in a shower of all my days. High tide, and the heron dived when I took the road. Over the border and the gates of the town closed as the town awoke. A springful of larks in a rolling cloud, and the roadside bushes brimming with whistling blackbirds. And the sun of October, summery on the hill's shoulder, here were fond climates and sweet singers suddenly come in the morning. When I wandered and listened to the rain ringing, wind blow cold, in the wood far away under me. Pale rain over the dwindling harbor and over the sea wet church the size of a snail, with its horns through mist and the castle brown as owls, but all the gardens of spring and summer were blooming in the tall tales. Beyond the border and under the lark full cloud, there could I marvel, my birthday, away, but the weather turned around. It turned away from the blithe country, and down the other air and the blue altered sky, streamed again a wonder of summer, with apples, pears, and red currants, and I saw the turning so clearly a child's forgotten mornings. When he walked with his mother through the parables of sunlight, and the legends of the green chapels. And the twice-told fields of infancy, that his tears burned my cheeks and his heart moved in mine. These were the woods, the river and sea, where a boy, in the listening summertime of the dead, whispered the truths of his joy, to the trees and the stones and the fish in the tide, and the mystery sang alive, still in the water, and singing birds. And there could I marvel my birthday away. But the weather turned around. And the true joy of the long-dead child sang, burning in the sun. It was my thirtieth year to heaven, stood there, then, in the summer noon. Though the town below lay leaved with October blood. Oh, may my heart's truth still be sung on this high hill in a year's turning. All right. Is there a reason that you picked this poem specifically? Um, because it was... Because it used imagery. Sure. And the answer can be no. <laughs> it was less about death than the other ones. Sure. Uh, Dylan Thomas and I have the same birthday. I was going to say. Yeah. He 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 uh, and I share a birthday, and this poem's all about his October birthday. Couple of Scorpio kings, baby. Oh, God. Nightmare status. Nightmare status. <laughs> me, me and Dylan Thomas just fucking ruining people's lives. So... I'll be the teacher now. Oh, good. What does this poem mean? Um, it is it if it, it is this okay? So, like, mean? What does it mean? Or or what is good about? Like, I don't know. I don't understand the question. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, what is Thomas trying to get across? Um, it is his birthday. He goes up to. A, I think I said 13th at the beginning, but it, it was always 30th. Um, so it's his 30th birthday, and he kind of goes for a walk in the morning of the town and sees this, like, inner his inner child that, that has disappeared, that's dead. And he's, but because it's his birthday, he's allowed to look upon, gaze upon this inner child and live in, in memory and, like, sit on top of a field and, like, wither the birthday away while everyone else in town is like having blood having their normal lives which is blood i guess (laughs) what do you notice about the cadence and the rhyming oh is it i didn't notice anything in fact (laughs) um it doesn't seem super rhymey right they're they're not heavily end stopped rhymes yeah heaven wood shore rook wall second fourth but there is like a rhythm to it and there are kind of like inner they're not even inner rhymes but like inner texture and walked abroad and shower of all my days like it's like a weird nonsense sentence but it it's less about the 
uh, text, the literal words on the page, and more about kind of the feeling that the sounds make when they clash together. Mm-hmm. Roadside bushes brimming with whistling blackbirds. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Who doesn't talk feel- like that? Yeah, who doesn't talk like that? Twice told fields of infancy. Yeah, that one's weird. It's a little marble mouthed, but like, you know, that's that's the thing, right? Yeah, and Thomas's style was not to use one particular rhyme scheme. Mm. So there are these moments where, where the end sounds are unified through the use of half rhyme. Sure, which I love. I love half rhyme in general. Yeah, he uses words like heron and beckon, which aren't exactly rhyming, but they sort of have the same vowel and flow. Vowel yeah. flow? I don't know what I'm saying. They, they feel they feel the same. <laughs> they got the same vibe. Yeah, same vibe. So speaking of vibes, oh God. should we read Kiss Me? Oh my. I mean, I feel uncomfortable, but sure. Kiss me out of the bearded barley. Nightly beside the green, green grass. Swing, swing. Swing the spinning step. You wear the shoes, and I will wear that dress. <laughs> it's so funny. It's just stupid. It is kind of silly, yeah. <laughs> oh, kiss me beneath the milky twilight. Lead me out on the moonlit floor. Lift your open hand. Strike up the band and make the fireflies dance. Silver moon sparkling. So kiss me. I feel like this is this is like the Dylan Thomas of it all. Strike up the band and make the fireflies dance. Silver moon sparkling is like, oh, we're doing the kind of environment. We're we're doing texture, whatever. Kiss me down by the broken treehouse. Swing me upon its hanging tire. Bring, bring, bring your flowered hat. We'll take the trail marked on your father's map. Oh, kiss me beneath the milky twilight. Lead me out on the moonlit All floor. Right. Oh, that's it. That's the whole thing. Is, <laughs> now it's over. It's significantly shorter than Dylan Thomas's poem. Significantly shorter. Um, how's how's the rhyming and the staccato-ness? Um, it is a half rhyme, right? Grass and dress. And then that's... And then hat and map. But that's like a different... It's kind of all over the place, right? Because barley and mm-hmm. grass, step and dress, right? So we have A, B, C, B. And then we have in the in the chorus A, B, C, D. No rhymes. Mm-hmm. And then A, B, C, C. Hat and map are supposed to rhyme, right? Mm-hmm. So it's 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 completely arbitrary, which is kind of fun. I like don't dislike that. But it it is yes, very all over the place. And what do we think it means? So it makes more sense to me now that you're like, this is a Christian band because like <laughs> this is like their version of like Pony, where they're like, it's like super sexy where they touch hands and maybe kiss under the moonlight. Yeah, it's very sexually charged. Especially when you're like in Texas and can't like have sex with your high school sweetheart like this is this is the best you can get (laughs) without making god mad god is smiting me yeah um that's all i got yeah no it's just from my interpretation and what i've read it's just a sweet little story little ditty yeah the anticipation of like young love and a kiss right and so there are these like Dylan Thomasy textured things like bearded barley, which doesn't make sense. Milky Twilight also doesn't make sense. Yeah. So if you like Google what is bearded barley, <laughs> it's not really a thing. It's just describing the barley. Yeah. So barley looks like upside down beards. It's like <laughs> it's like they look like kind of grain. If if you've ever seen the movie um, Gladiator, it's like what. Russell Crowe like keeps imagining his character walking through is like a field of barley, and yeah, I I understand how it's like vaguely beard like, <laughs> vaguely beard like. Yep, and you can see how Twilight would be slightly milky. Yeah, the milky Twilight <laughs> is it just like overcast? I don't I don't understand. Also, all this talk of barley reminds me of the Sting song from five years earlier, Fields of Gold. 
where he says, you'll remember me when the West Wind moves upon the field of barley. Wow. First first line of the song. Whoa. <laughs> Plagiarism. Yeah. And Sting is Irish, right? Oh, God. Is this why? Is Sting Irish? I don't think so, actually. <laughs> oh, my God. He's he's plain old English. Great. Wallsend UK. Great. Gordon Sumner. So while researching the meaning, uh, I came across this little gem that I've partially shared with you. Okay. Um, someone was just doing a deep dive on what every word means, and then at the bottom, a synopsis. So they wrote, many people actually think that this song is about lesbianism based on the fact that no man would ever wear a flower hat. (laughs) Correct. So so you you did share this with me. (laughs) All right. So flowered hat. I can't wait to hear what you're going to say. Would a guy wear a flowered hat? I don't know. I never gave it much thought. Um, I am so glad I get to bring James Vanderbeek into this. Does James Vanderbeek wear a flowered hat? Thank you for asking. I will tell you. (laughs) Feels like there should be a simple yes or no answer to this. James Vanderbeek shares hysterical Father's Day gift. Daughter got him that he swears is just to mess with him. All right. What'd you get? Her idea completely. And it is a flowered hat. It is a sun, it is a sunflower on like a trucker cap. <laughs> and he and he like looks at the camera, being like, "I'm not gonna wear this fucking thing." I should wear this when I wear my apron. Go get the apron. Okay. So J- so James okay. Vanderbeek uh, has a flowered apron and a flowered hat, and he wears the apron with no shirt on, which is a little she aggressive. This out on her own and insisted on it. Here we go. All right. I'm pretty sure she was fucking with me then, and I'm pretty sure she's still fucking with me, and it only makes me love her more. So, would a man wear a flowered hat? James Vanderbeek is more than a man. I just love how he like thinks his daughter's trolling him. But why would she be trolling him? Is there like a connection between this song and James Vanderbeek? Well, it was used in Dawson's Creek. Okay. Well, twice. there's that twice. <laughs> okay, so we we know at least one got one man has a flowered hat. <laughs> but like when I think if if I if I have to think of flowered hat, I think of like blossom. Oh, like that. Yeah, like like a big floppy hat with like a flower on it. Or what if it was just like a straw hat with a flower on it? Like a Vincent Van Gogh straw hat? Yeah. Sure. Also fine. Like an Easter hat. What is an Easter hat? <laughs> Easter bonnet. Okay. So so what do we, do we think that this is like? Are we are we Gaylor? Is this like fan fiction where we think that the this is like secret lesbianism and Lee? What's her name from? Well, he she didn't even write the song. Thank you. So the person that wrote this thing wrote, here are two facts that totally go against the lesbianism interpretation. Sure, right. Sixpence on the Richer is a Christian rock band, so don't expect any lesbic love him from them. But but that that is, I don't take that as evidence because that could be just like a secret thing. Like, right. Like how people are reading into Taylor Swift's whole catalog of saying that she's gay. This is not the Taylor Swift show, contrary to popular could, belief. Could have fooled me. <laughs> uh, number two, the song is sung by Lee Nash, a woman. So if she's asking another woman to kiss her, then she must be a lesbian, right? Kind of, but the song was actually composed by Matt Slocum, the male guitarist of the band, and he said he composed the song for his wife. So sorry, heterosexual love. Yeah, sorry, no gays here. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? And yes, the flowered hat belongs to his wife. But apparently when Nash sung the song, nobody thought it important to change the hat to make it sound more masculine. After all, hippies did wear flowered hats and all that, both male and female. So no big deal. (laughs) What what is like a manly, will bring your cowboy hat? (laughs) Bring your hat that's also a gun? Yeah, you're like 
Davy Crockett hat. Bring your, yeah, the coonskin cap. <laughs> Bring your coonskin cap. We'll take the trail mark on your father's mouth. That works. Yeah. Moonlight, Moonrise Kingdom. Now it's the yeah, plot of sure. Moonrise Kingdom. Sure. <laughs> Kiss Me, as we have just now discovered, was used on... Is it's not gay. <laughs> it's not gay. And it was used on Dawson's Creek, first on uh-huh. November 11th, 1998, and then on another episode that aired April 28th, 1999. So and in, this is in between the, uh, the movie comes out in between these two things. Yeah, in January 1999. But it feels like, as you mentioned, this is part of the marketing of the movie, so it's already like a massive hit. So it's not like uh, Dawson's Creek discovered it and then and then it wound up in in the in she's all that. It's like definitely she's all that made this a thing. Yeah, and then they used it again because it was. Even more iconic. So after it's in She's All That, it becomes a worldwide smash. It reaches number two in the Billboard Hot 100 and went at least top five in most other major markets. It was the sixth best-selling record of 1999, according to Billboard, and one of the all-time best-selling records never to reach number one. So there's no different. The song was not re-recorded in between 95 and 98 or 99, right? It was just... Like, oh, it kind of fizzled, and then all of a sudden it's got this movie behind it, and it's everywhere on people's TVs. Mm-hmm. And so people are like, yep, I do like this song. Yes. So here's Nash uh, talking to Bobby Bones about the song's rise to fame. Bobby Bones. Bones. This is on the Bobby Bones show. What was <laughs> it like to, and, and again, seemingly to me, it was like, boom, you're famous. Did it feel like that to you whenever the, the song hit? Not at all. We were traveling so much, like crazy travel, because radio. She would still have has us kind of like a weird from, Christian uh, look. I remember in her one eye. particular instance that we were in New York, playing like a big, huge ro- uh, radio show, and then we had to fly to Rome the next day, and then come right back to New York for another radio station because there was politics involved, and they were threatening to you know, pull the song or whatever. And so we were doing, we were, you know, chasing radio and our, our label. I mean, they were fantastic. We had a great team around us. It wasn't so much the band was chasing radio, but the people that were working with us were like, no, you're going to be here, here and here. And, and we were always safe. We were best friends. I mean, they're like brothers to me. We had a good time, but it was almost no time to feel like oh you know I, people know who I am true, except the day after we played Letterman in the airport I was I, I was recognized quite a bit I am such a David Letterman fan that's my hero Letter, Letterman is my weird. hero oh, wait, this is so weird and when you did Letterman you played and you can tell me if I'm wrong but then the rare thing was he called you over to be interviewed after your performance right. And to sit in the chair after you go on as a musical guest, which I have a lot of friends who've done the music part, and they rarely even get to meet Dave. Like right. he comes over and shakes their hand and it's like, the theater's cold. Good night, everybody. Yeah. But you get to go sit down and talk. How was that? I was so, I'm, I'm in love. Uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've always had like this massive crush on David Letterman and um, being that, I mean, I'm much younger than him. But yeah, I think it was a little mutual for that evening. He liked me too. And also I think it was, it was just um, something in the air, you know, maybe it was God. I said a prayer right so before sick. I went out that whatever. Something in the air, it was, was God. You know, in yeah, the yeah. cards, whatever was supposed to happen would happen. And the moment I walked out, there was a change in the air. And he looked at me, and he was like, I want to talk to you afterwards. So I had he to do to that performance me. knowing I was going to have to go sit on the chair. And I acted, I watch it, and I cringe now because I was so nervous. Um, I wish I could have had a little bit more composure. But I I did all right, and um, and it was so wonderful. He was very, very kind to me. What? He tried to rape you on TV. I mean, I listen, he definitely is like has like a crush on her on the air, right? He like what he like wants her attention on the air. And that I can't I can't put words into his mind, but it seems like that might be why he called her over. But like this whole thing is fucking weird. This God stuff is like, why? Why are people so obsessed with God? Why are people so obsessed with God? I don't get it, man. 
So according to Song Facts, Kiss Me was the most played radio song in 1999 in 11 different countries, including Canada, the UK, Australia, Japan, and Israel. I believe that. And the late 90s were big years for TV show soundtracks. I had the Dawson's Creek soundtrack. I don't think this was Huge. Um, and teen rom-coms centered around bets and the exchange of money for women. Am I a fucking bet? <laughs> Fun fact, uh, th- this a similar thing happened with uh, the Seal song, Kiss from a Rose. It was originally on like a Seal album like three years previous to the Batman Forever soundtrack. And then they just like tossed it in to the end of the movie. It's, it's not in even the in the movie. Yeah. It's in the credits. And it became like this massive, you know, sold 8 million copies or whatever. So I, I think it also may have been in the trailer, but like the the the. The media apparatus, like if you can get something in a commercial, you're fucking gold. Or used to be, at least, in the 90s. Yeah, yeah I remember when we went and saw it in the movie theater, and my dad, like, actually saying it wasn't even in the movie. Like, baby! <laughs> so, it got us there. Got you there. Um. So, yeah. So, I told you I wanted to talk about the teen movies that we watched when we were coming of age. Yeah, yeah. Completely unproblematic teen movies of the <laughs> mid to late 90s. And so, it's, uh, you know, we're, the main problem with She's All That we've kind of already discussed. Laney Boggs. Yeah. Hot but doesn't know it. The best kind of hot. Oh. Um, gets, is the center of a bet where Jake Weiler... Zach, Zach Weiler? His name's Zach. I get that confused with the Not Another Teen movie because their names are very similar uh, on purpose. Um, makes a bet with his friend that he could like turn her into the prom queen, right? Like, like he's so popular yeah. that, any, yeah, right, any girl that is in his orbit will become cool. Which is like a version of, of my favorite teen rom-com, which is Can't Buy Me Love, mm. which is gender swapped. It's a popular girl that makes the dorky dude. Uh, McDreamy, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, hot. I love that movie. That movie's great. I just remember him like riding on a tractor. He does ride on a not a, a tractor, like a lot, like a riding lawnmower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So then we also have. Okay, so Lainey finds out that she's the bet. Also, meanwhile, like, bet. what's his name? tries to manipulate her into sleeping with him who what's his uh is it paul walker it's paul walker paul walker and gabrielle union is there it's really a who's who do you want to watch it the movie yeah let's just let's cut to the whole entire movie right now is that true my bet yes my bet am i a fucking bet he looks very upset. Hack E Zack. Yes. You didn't think you'd be Oh, who's this? For she real, was like this character in everything. Yeah, was oh, she in Jabber? So no. May he rest, Paul Walker. Pick me up at eight, lover. So also Cruel Intentions, 10 Things I Hate About You. Right. And they're all like money for women, right? Yes. In, in, different, in different varieties, right? And she's all that. It's a bet in 10 Things I Hate About You. It's the Taming of the Shrew where like one dude pays another dude to take out the, the shrew. Um, and and then, what's his name that joined a cult later in life? Andrew Keegan. Andrew makes Keegan. Makes a bet that he's going to fuck joined. Bianca. <laughs> Not joined. Started it. Started. <laughs> That's the one with Gabrielle Union in it. He was going to nail you tonight. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. My bad. My bad. Is she in both of them? She is yeah. in both of them. Yeah. She's in both of them. Uh, and and then Cruel Intentions is similarly like, if if you if you fuck this girl, I'll let you fuck me in the butt. Yeah. Is the is the bet. Is the bet. <laughs> if you can fuck the headmaster's daughter or whatever. Good times for growing up. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Why why would that have poisoned people's minds forever? 
Um, okay, so we're kind of all over the place, but I showed you the Am I the Fucking Bet clip, and mm-hmm. you mentioned M. Night Shyamalan. Correct. Big twist. Twist, yes. she is the bet. <laughs> so tell me why you mentioned Shyamalan. All right. So M. Night Shyamalan, uh, while trying to get his uh, sixth sense off the ground, wrote, ghost wrote for money and no credit, the script for She's All That. <laughs> but the screenwriter denied that. Yes. So this so this is this is a this is a he said he said where M. Night Shyamalan told Entertainment Weekly in twenty thirteen, quote, I ghost wrote the movie She's All That. Right. And Amen. Rob R. Lee Fleming mm-hmm. claimed that Shyamalan was lying. Yes. And so his actual how involved was he is up for debate. But Lee Fleming, R. Lee Fleming, did tell Decider in 2019 that that Am I a Fucking Pet dialogue was written by M. Night Shyamalan. That rules. My right recollection, on. this is the quote, my recollection is that particular moment replete with F-bomb was one of M. Night Shyamalan's contributions. And yes, as I learned during the course of writing the movie, you only get one fuck in a PG-13. And in truth, correct. had there been more of them, the moment when Lainey said it wouldn't have been anywhere as emotionally jarring. Honestly, like, <laughs> the, this guy is fucking wrong. Like, that is a good use of an F-word. Yeah. So... In in other kind of like secretly Christian news, The Sixth Sense was not Shyamalan's first movie. He directed two movies before that, the 1998 movie Wide Awake, which is about a little kid whose like, uncle dies and he goes to a Catholic school where Rosie O'Donnell is his teacher and she like, she like restores his faith. No. Yeah. Remember grade school? When you had your best teacher, met your best friend. What do you think about her? She's okay. Pulled off your greatest pranks. Faced your first bully. I can't. Why? Felt your first loss and found your first love. He's hot. I think I'm having a biological reaction. Remember what it's like to experience life for the first time. Rosie O'Donnell, Dennis Leary, and Dana Delaney. That's not funny. Is that funny? Wide awake. And she, she's like, because he's from Philadelphia, Rosie O'Donnell wears a Phillies hat for the entire movie. No. Yeah. And, uh, and also he was in a movie called Praying with Anger, which is about a Indian American dude's return to India. And he, it's like, like culture shock where he like, he has Western values and, and can't really, uh, uh, jive that with, with his traditional Indian culture. And he stars in that. He's the main character in that. Uh, And he wrote, directed, and produced it. And he stars in it. So you're saying he's a secret Christian? Uh, I don't know if he's a secret Christian, but he, he, like Sixpence None the Richer, had, has a lot of like Christianity influences in his work. I mean, just look at Signs, Mm -hmm. where, where Mel Gibson famously, okay dude, uh, plays like a, a priest. Um, the village is like got some Christian undertones. Yeah. It's all it's all kind of there. And I, the I'm not servant. He's Did you watch the that? Servant. No, I haven't watched. That's the TV show, right? Uh huh. That was good. That was I Christian haven't watched it. culty weird Jesus stuff themed, right? So I, I I'm not saying that he is a uh, evangelist for Christianity, <laughs> but there's definitely like something going on with his movies and and the Christian faith. Definitely. So what are we going out on today? Oh, we're going to go out on uh, Fields of Gold by Sting. We are going to go out on Fields of Gold by Sting. More, more barley. Where can people find us on the internet, Lindsay? 
Find us on the internet at Lyrics for Lunch on Instagram and Twitter. And for longer, <laughs> for longer or weirder stuff, or if you have like any other barley content you want, <laughs> you send us an email at lyricsforlunch at gmail.com. We are now on TikTok. Yes, lyrics.for.lunch. Please don't send us death threats. We get enough of those already. All on our own. Without All on our own. <laughs> we could do it on our own. Thank you very much. <laughs> And tune in next week when we do this all over again with a new uh, wheat theme song. <laughs> and eat your Wheaties. And eat your Wheaties. So until next time, I'm Aviv I'm Rubenstein. I'm Lindsay Tucker. Saying, my fucking bet. My bet. See the whistle move like a lover's soul.